an angel appeared to Mary and told her she was going to have a baby, but this would be a very special baby. It would be God's own son. Then Joseph didn't understand and thought, should he marry her? Should he send her away? And so God sent an angel to him to help him understand. When they got to Bethlehem, um, there was no fur for them to stay except for where the animals were kept. And so that's where Jesus was born in a manger. I'm Byron Tyler, and we're here at Bellevue Baptist Church as they get ready to premiere this year's Singing Christmas Tree. Angela Buckley has joined us. Angela, this is going to be a great day. We're going to get to go behind the scenes and just see what it takes to make this production a reality. I am so excited. I've been to the production many times over the years, bringing my kids here. I want to get closer to that big giant tree and find out what's going on. We've got the maestro himself, Mark Blair, who's the worship pastor here at Bellevue. And Mark, this is an exciting time. I know you guys have been getting practice since August, I believe? We start with the cast in August and all the students in September. So it's been a race to the finish, but excited about it. It's our 44th year. So for 44 years, teenagers, and that's our primary group of dancers and singers, have been sharing the gospel with the Mid-South region in a creative way. I think they get the mission. I can tell that they understand that they're sharing the greatest story that's ever been told. But I think they also get that they're part of a Memphis tradition. They're part of something special that they get to be a part of in this city, and that means something to them as well. After 44 years thinking about just all the lives that have been touched and have heard maybe for the first time the message of Jesus Christ. It'll become very clear as they hear the story. This year's story, uh, we're in a small town of Manger Bay, and there's a town scoundrel businessman who has kind of ripped off a lot of the people in the town and he gets exposed and a lot of people are upset but he's trying to rebuild it trying to repair his image trying to do what's right maybe not with the right motives but he's trying to do what's right and he gets in a bind and the town's people make a critical decision and it's a christ-like decision they make the decision to give this businessman not what he deserves but what he needs. And that's grace. And that's why this year's program is called Gift of Grace. And that's what Jesus has done for us. He doesn't give us what we deserve. He gives us what we need. Angela, that is a message that we all need to hear, the message of grace. That's exactly right. No matter where you are in life, there's a space in your heart that only Jesus can fill and meet those needs. I'm so excited to hear about some of the fruit that you've seen over the years from this program. Can you give us some examples of what you've seen? Sure. I'm always cautious when we talk about numbers, but I can tell you that every year multiple hundreds of people indicate that they pray to receive Christ, and we follow up on every one of those. We don't want to be one of those situations where we have masses of people come in and we proclaim we had all these decisions, and then Jesus or the FBI can't figure out what happened. If someone indicates to us that they truly trusted Christ, we want to follow up. We know that they're not all going to come to Bellevue, and that's awesome because we want to help plug them into a church in the area of town where they live and we try to connect them with those churches and make sure that someone's going to follow up and help disciple them and help them grow in Christ. How do you manage all this, Mark? I know you have to have a team of staff and also a host of volunteers that support you. I'm sure prayer is an important part. Well, we start with prayer way back in April, May, June when we're thinking about theme 
but I can honestly say I am surrounded by the most talented and godly group of people I've ever worked with. Our design team, which is the smallest of the teams that really crafts the program, and then a production team, and they all lead different aspects such as costuming, crowd control. I mean, when you have 175 middle schoolers that have to run down the hall and change costumes and be back on stage in eight minutes, those volunteers are priceless. But I think that's what I love about my role in ministry. I love leading others in worship, but I love coaching, mentoring, and I guess being the ringmaster. You know, when it all comes together, and I know that a choreographer has sought the Lord and then taught the choreography and then hundreds of kids are dancing and someone else has rehearsed their singing and they're up there singing, proclaiming the glory of the Lord, singing about salvation that only comes in Jesus. And then you see beautiful costumes and an incredible set and a group of teenagers that came in and put all the lights on the tree. It's amazing to me. I very much feel like in a way what a general manager of a football team must feel like when his role is to put all the right people in the right place and get out of their way. How many people are involved in the whole production? A little over 800 are involved. We have as many people behind the scenes as we do on stage. Of course, the orchestra, they're part of, it's our regular church orchestra. Occasionally, we'll have a friend or two join us if if we have an instrument that we need. And then it's about 255 high schoolers, about 175 middle schoolers, and 140 fourth and fifth graders. And they're doing the singing and the dancing. And then we have an adult cast and then adult supporting cast and then hundreds of volunteers. Mark, what about the essence of the church using excellence in the way it comes to production and theater to communicate the gospel message? Well, if you travel to Europe, I had a friend that did so a couple of years ago, and he came back, and he came up to me, and he said, it's all in the churches. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, all of the great art, it's in the churches over there. You know, really, we as the modern church, we've given away the arts. God gave us the arts. God gave us story. I mean, Jesus was the master storyteller. Hey, guys, did I tell you one about the seeds? If you throw the seeds over here in Rocky Grant, he was a master storyteller. That caused people to want to enter in and listen, and as a result, their lives were changed. And that's really what art does. It draws you in. So it, it is our goal to kind of reclaim the arts and use them to glorify God. In the theatrical world, um, Dance, singing, visual art, creative art can all be combined. In terms of excellence, Scripture says that we shouldn't offer the Lord anything that cost us nothing. God doesn't deserve our leftovers. He deserves our best. Now, that doesn't mean we're supposed to be as good as a Broadway touring show, because the purpose of those programs is strictly for enjoyment. We do production for a purpose, and that's to share the gospel and give hope. We know that the greatest hope is found in Jesus Christ. And I think in this day and age, if you give a half-hearted effort, the world looks and says, well, you must not believe much in what you preach and teach if that's all you're going to do. 
Mark, on the flip side of that, I've heard where those actually who are Broadway performers have walked into previous performances of this Christmas tree, and they said what you do here is on par with the quality that you would find in a Broadway production. You obviously laid the foundation for why you do this. The purpose is for presenting the gospel, but it doesn't mean it can't be done with excellence. That doesn't mean it can't be done with all of the technology and the brilliance of the performance and the acting and what can take place on the stage, all again for the glory of Jesus Christ. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that being a follower of Christ is supposed to be boring. Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life and have it abundantly. You might live it to the fullest. So if God has given you the gift of song, dance, theater, acting, painting, my goal is to give those people a chance to use that to glorify the Lord and have a blast doing it. This year's program, you're going to laugh a lot. It is a funny script. It's just real life and real people, and we've all got some of these characters in our family. Trust me, you'll see when you see the program. So there's a lot of down-home humor, but again, when it comes down to it, people are forced to make the decision. Do we give this guy what he deserves and just throw him away or do we give him what he needs and hopefully make an impact on his life so make sure you come to see the program so you can see what impact it makes As we continue our little tour today on the inside, behind the scenes of the Singing Christmas Tree at Bellevue, I am pleased to introduce you now to one of the writers, Lisa Parker. She's phenomenal. She's been on our programs before at Bot Radio, and this year, Manger Bay is going to evolve a little bit. Lisa, tell me a little bit about what the process has been like preparing for this year's event. Well, we have a design team, and we meet weekly, and we just toss around ideas. We settle on a theme and a direction long about July, and then I'll spend the end of July and most of August doing rough drafts and writing. And then from there, we have our auditions, and this book came about as kind of a result of the plot, the storyline this year, because as I was saying to you earlier, Byron, it's through the heart of a little girl and her love for this character that absolutely nobody in town can tolerate. She's the catalyst that brings his heart around to accepting the love that Jesus has for him. Well, Lisa, anybody who has seen The Christmas Tree knows the storyline is really what draws you into this production. I mean, the singing and all of the pageantry and everything is incredible. It's wonderful. But having that fish hook, if you will, You want to make it clear why we celebrate the season of Christmas. It's all about Jesus and the wonderful gift that God gave to the world through his precious son. You've been doing this now for well over 20 years. I don't know how you come up with the creativity and the thoughts. I can't imagine the prayer because I know you would want this to really connect with the Holy Spirit and with the actors. There's so much involved here. You're right. There is a lot of prayer that goes into it and a lot of research. I think it's just a way the Lord keeps me close to Him. It's totally a God thing, really. I mean, I look back and I see what happens, and I know that it wasn't anything I could have done on my own. I rejoice in that every year. We do try to design a storyline that will touch the hearts of the people that are coming to see it. And we know that there are a lot of needs that come in that door 
a lot of burdens, a lot of family difficulties, and we try to design the storyline with that thought in mind. And it's a hard season of the year, quite frankly. Well, Lisa, infused in this great production is humor. Just normalize the room a little bit. We have great actors in our church family, and they're the ones that really make the humor happen. The lines, it's not sophisticated humor, but hopefully it's humor that everybody can connect with on some level. As you talk about actors, we have some with us right now. So start out, tell us your names. I'm Lane Pyron. And I'm Moa Yogar. I'm Avery Simons. I'm Hayden Simons. So you are playing the part of Ella, is that right? Yes. Tell me what you like about this. I like doing the nativity and telling people about Jesus, and that's just a really good part for me. Ella, could you tell our listeners a little bit about Jesus? There's a book that's got your name right on the front here, Ella's Favorite Christmas Story, and it's all about that story of Jesus coming in a manger. Can you maybe share a little bit about that story? Sure. So one night when Mary was... I don't know, probably praying or cooking, um, an angel appeared to Mary and told her she was going to have a baby, but this would be a very special baby. It would be God's own son. Then Joseph didn't understand and thought, should he marry her? Should he send her away? And so God sent an angel to him to help him understand. When they got to Bethlehem, um, there was no fur for them to stay except for where the animals were kept. And so that's where Jesus was born in a manger. Ella. <laughs> you did that so well. You're Ella's dad, right? That's right. Tell me your role and what your part is in the singing Christmas tree this year. I'm Hayden Simons. I play Alex Arid, who is Mr. Arid, returning character from last year's son. And so he comes to town to try to help out with the project that's not going quite the way that we wanted the project to go. So what happens? Well, there's a little bit of disagreement, a whole lot of work that goes into it. But what we end up seeing throughout the story is that there's love, there's forgiveness, there's grace. And it brings not just Mr. Arid and his son, me, together, but really brings the whole town together. Love, forgiveness, and grace, something we need to hear a lot about these days, right? Tell me about your role. I'm part of the high school choir and uh, dancing group, and then I also fly one of the uh, deer that's going to grow. You mean you hang up there on that scaffolding? That is one of the coolest things. It is. It's very cool and scary, but... It's worth it. My son, Jason, was the first male angel that ever flew in the tree. I don't know how many years ago it was. Many, many years ago. Our kids grew up being part of the tree. So I have a lot of memories myself personally about this production. Tell me about what your role is. I'm also part of the high school choir, and I'm also one of the platform angels during the nativity number with the angels. This is a busy time of the year. I know you're getting ready to wrap up a semester. You've got finals for the semester in school, trying to juggle all of that and also maintain the practice and everything that's required from you for the tree. How do you do all that? It is very tiring and it does put a strain on both like your personal, spiritual and physical lives that we go through day to day. But you basically just find time to make it. This is something you want to be a part of, seeing the impact it's had to so many people every year. I love everything that you guys have shared. I wanted to ask our little actress Ella's dad what it's like hearing your child share the gospel it's I don't know that there's really words to describe it it's one of the most exciting feelings you know I've got a bucket list that's hanging on my refrigerator one of the top things on my bucket list to see all of my children come to know Christ and to have one uh, that's here that doesn't just know Christ but proud enough to proclaim it boldly 
to anybody that she runs into or over the radio is, I don't have words for it. As a parent, there are no words you really can't say, but what a wonderful time here with this group of folks. And there's so much more to see as we're here at Bellevue, kind of a media day, TV, radio, I guess newspaper have stopped by, checking out the behind the scenes of what it takes to make this Christmas tree, the 44th annual Singing Christmas Tree here at Bellevue. This radio show is being produced right before the show starts, I think Sunday, December 8th is the first performance. So giving you kind of an idea about the show, when you can go and get your tickets, which is right now, by going to BellevueSingingTree.org, BellevueSingingTree.org, and see where you're going to buy your seats. I think you can. Can't you do that? Check it out. Go ahead and get those seats. Performance runs through this coming Sunday. So you've got time now to get your tickets, bring the family, tell your neighbors, and come out and see the singing Christmas tree. Okay, Angela, we've got some more folks to talk to, I believe. Plus, we're going to go behind the stage. Are you going to climb up there and get up to the top of the tree? Yes. <laughs> I've decided I'm going to do that and, and get stuck really quickly. So, actually, no, I won't do that. But I do kind of want to see behind the tree and just see how many people can fit into that. It's just amazing. We're going to work our way up there, and we're going to continue on here at Bellevue. So the structure we're under now makes part of the choir loft. We've got cubes that go on top of this and in front of this that make the different 18-inch rises for the choir. So we can take those cubes off and just get a nice flat platform up there. So we play that as the second floor of the set, whatever set we're building. And then we can just skin the front of it however we want. But as you can see, it makes an enormous backstage. We're here with Mark Alexander backstage now. Mark, is what's the official title now? Because you came from a commercial background helping people plan their office space. Yeah, That's just one of many things you've done in your career. Tell me about your position here at Bellevue. Basically, I have two jobs. One, facility planning. So anytime that we want to move things around or add buildings or whatever. I get to work with architects and engineers and and our own building crew for that. Uh, But the fun part is production designer for all the shows we do. So I get to do uh, the planning of the sets, costumes and special effects and work with lighting people and all of the different things it takes to pull the show together. How much planning on your part, once you get an idea where the script's going to go, is that where you take it? Yeah, we find out what the theme is, what location we're going to be in, and we start trying to figure out how to make this plausible. can't be like Grandma's living room because we have three, 400 people on stage at one time. So it's got to be something plausible with that many people to be in it. So it's a town. It could be an airport or it could be uh, even a cruise ship or whatever we wanted to do. But we'll start figuring out how to make that work with the action and the musical numbers. So we diagnose the stage play. We look through that and pick out all the different locations we need to cover and then we just start planning for that based on what we know our abilities are this is incredible i know a lot of churches don't have the opportunity to have a staff position like yours how does that make you feel for the opportunities you have to use your creative edge in this space yeah it's pretty daunting when other churches come in and say we want to see how you do things and they say, yeah, we have builders, we have people that can write our scripts, we just don't have a you. We don't have somebody that can actually take it and turn it into a set or costumes or whatever visually. So it's pretty incredible that I get to do all of this and realize it because we hope that by the time somebody walks in this place, they already sort of know the story even before words are spoken. 
you can look at the environment. You can look at the details. You can tell when a character walks on what's going on with that character before they open their mouth just by the way they're dressed or the way they're carrying themselves. So all of it is part of the visual storytelling of what we're bringing about. Show us around. So we're backstage directly behind the tree structure itself. It's the same tree structure that was designed by Gene Strong of Thornhouse Stratton and Strong back in uh, 1976. We use the same steel every year. Had it checked out a few years ago, and they said, yeah, it's as good as the day that it was created. So uh, we still use the same tree structure. So it's sitting here center stage, and we're directly underneath the second level of the stage set. This is just a big, wide space that runs the length of the stage and the depth of the stage. You have in front of you, right directly behind the tree, the props area. So anybody who comes on stage that needs anything from a bedroll to a lantern to a letter that they may take on or contracts or whatever's in the show, shepherd's staffs, all the different things that a, a character can actually carry on stage is all checked in here. And we have a props manager that creates a lot of these, but will sit there and make sure that everybody has exactly what they need and then they bring it back so we don't have to go chasing it down. So that runs there. We also have an area across backstage right. It was where the stage hands congregate we have several guys back here and ladies that are doing everything from pushing a button to rotate a turntable to uh, moving big props on and off so most of this backstage now is wide open because this is where we move all of the actors and the choirs back and forth to get them on and off stage quickly This is amazing to see behind the scenes of what it really takes to pull a production together. How have you been blessed by doing this? It's just given us an opportunity to tell the story to so many more people. It's just great when you're growing up with a pencil in your hand and all you know to do is draw things and then be able to tell the story of Jesus through just the imagination that he brings to bring all this about. You know, we started out doing this just on uh, a drawing board. And then we were using AutoCAD for years. Now we model everything in 3D. We can sit in a meeting and look at a 3D model of this and make sure that it has all the exits and entrances and theming that we need. And then I can throw it in Dropbox and text our construction manager, Tim Ruth. And before we even get out of the meeting, he's already building on it. So it's really changed uh, everybody's lives involved in this in the way that we can respond to uh, being able to tell the story. Now we're behind the tree, and it does not look like a tree from this angle. We've got ropes and props and plywood and all sorts of things. Tell me about what we're looking at back here. You're looking at the back of a steel structure, which is the original tree from the very first production. It was designed here in Memphis by a guy named Gene Strong. He was a great architect, and he led us to this design, which has functioned beautifully for 44 years. And it's probably the only one quite like it in the country. But we can get about 150 teenagers on this thing at one time. Like we were looking at as we were walking up, you'll see a lot of ductwork running to the back of it. You can imagine 150 bodies of teenagers up there who have been running back and forth to dressing rooms, dancing on stage. It gets rather hot with all the incandescent lights that are right in front of them. 
So uh, we pump quite a few tons of air conditioning up there for them to keep them going during the show. So you haven't lost any kids from the tree due to fainting or anything? No, we usually try to keep them uh, full of protein and orange juice to keep them going. Tell me about how you actually get into the tree. What does each participant have to do? There's several different access points from the floor on up. There are 11 rows, so there are different areas that you can get on. But we like to surprise people that there are actually humans on the tree. So during a dark moment where we have a solo maybe going on or an acting scene away from the tree, then we'll try to sneak the kids on. So they literally have to enter one of these rows from the back and crawl on hands and knees all the way around to the other side, go up to another level and zigzag until they get to their spot. So when you go to the very, very top, you enter, I think, on row eight. So you have to climb eight, nine, ten, and eleven to get all the way to the top. So uh, we usually put our tiniest person up there. So yeah, it's it's quite a task because it's very narrow. There's only about a foot of space front to back. How tall is the tree? The tree itself is 39 feet tall. Then when we add the star, it tops out a little over 43 feet. How difficult is it to maneuver this piece into this area for the production? Well, we've got a scene shop on site that all of this breaks down and stores into. So the tree comes apart in many, many pieces that bolt together. So we have racks built for it that we can take this down, put it immediately in those racks, roll it onto our uh, tractor trailers, and take them across and store them up in our warehouse, which if you're inside that, it looks sort of like a Home Depot. There are racks everywhere that we have forklift, and we try to store up, so it gives us more building room down there. So yeah, it takes a few days to bring over and install with some of the best volunteers I've ever seen. How do you think this year's production will differ from others? We always have sort of a hybrid of story versus music and dancing and every flying effects and everything we do. But one of the things I think I'm most excited about the difference this time is the music. We're only doing three songs in the tree that we've ever done before. So the rest of it is fresh and new and quite exciting. Angela, what an incredible time we're having here at Bellevue discovering about the 44th Singing Christmas Tree. This has been an incredible tour. The folks here have been so hospitable. I just had a great time. I have too. We've been backstage. We've been behind the tree. We've seen inside the tree. It's so cool to see that hundreds and hundreds of people are involved in such a grand production. Callie has been our hostess for this tour. Callie, thank you so much for all the time you have spent, the people you've introduced us to. So again, folks listening want to get their tickets. How can they do that to see this year's Singing Christmas Tree? So there are actually a few ways you can do that. First, you can go online at BellevueSingingTree.org, or you can just give us a phone call at the front desk at 901-647-2000. Again, that's 901-347-2000. Or you can even just stop by Bellevue. So if you come visit us on a Sunday or Wednesday night, you're welcome to just stop by the information desk and pick up some tickets in person or stop by any day during the week. Believe the front desk is actually open from 9 to 4.30. Well, this has been great. Friends, thank you so much for joining us on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. On behalf of Angela Buckley, I'm Byron Tyler. Merry Christmas. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.